1: Lucky Lefty Podcast, the Anora boys are definitely in the building. It's Tuesday. We're brought to you by Anora Whiskey. AnoraWhiskey.com. It is that premium American whiskey, AnoraWhiskey.com. And if you drink, by all means, you got to do it.
2: Responsibly.
1: Make sure you do it responsibly. Look, left. Great show today. Howard Griffith from the Big Ten Network. It's going to join our second half of the show. We're going to find out the view of Notre Dame nationally. Based upon some crazy things that have happened over the last month. And then we'll preview Big Ten football and the changes that have been coming with the addition of USC and UCLA. And Does Big Ten football really have a chance to win a national championship? That might align with Notre Dame, because I have something special. We're going to hear from one of my uh, mentors and in the business, uh, Stephen Bardo, who has a great podcast, Bardo's Breakdown. You want to hear anything about college basketball, you know, Stephen Bardo is a college basketball analyst, Fox Sports, Big Ten Network, ESPN, everybody. That's how good he is. He does it for everyone. He has his own podcast. He says some very interesting things about basketball in the Big Ten, which is going to lead us to our conversation that Cam McDaniel started on Friday's show. Right. So as always, Apple Podcast, Spotify, in conjunction with CFB Nation and Irish Breakdown, home of the misguided passion. It's the Lucky Lefty Podcast. You already know, we
0: spin it differently. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform
1: Lef, we'll get to your, your wing recommendation at the end of the show as well.
2: <laughs> Listen.
1: I peeped it.
2: Listen. And I'm, and I'm trying
1: it today. I just, I just uh, want to let you know, I'll be trying it today.
2: It is the best flavor I've ever had. I can't explain.
1: <laughs> it's crazy. Let's get this started, right? I was, man, had the pleasure of co-hosting with Cam McDaniel on Friday. And we touched on what he talked about. But I wanted to bring it back for LL Nation because a lot of the fans reached out and asked specifically or asked for specifics about what Cam said in their comments and questions on YouTube and on the downloads in the podcast or so Spotify Apple Podcasts. Once again, we appreciate you, LL Nation, Notre Dame fans. So here is a snippet. And it was almost eight minutes, but here is about three and a half minutes of Cam Hart, I mean Cam Hart, Cam McDaniel on Friday, co-hosting with myself, when he was talking about tradition at Notre Dame and change that could benefit Marcus Freeman. Check it out.
3: I've been talking to a couple people about this recently. This topic's been coming up. And uh, I think that one thing you know we talked about that transition from the old to the new yeah and man if you want to you know if you want to be a part of legacy in a way like you got to realize like you're you're creating it like you're growing with it like it's growth and there is definitely like entitled consciousness around the notre dame kind of community i would say that ultimately like that has to that has to go that has to be shed off in order for um i think in order for things to to really move in the way that like a marcus freeman um would need it to move in order to kind of be in sync or be in step with what i think he's trying to do as a philosophy there because it's different it's uh it's unique, it's new, it's a new expression. And sometimes people like we're, we're very traditional university in so many ways, especially when it comes to football, it's, uh, you know, it's greatly esteemed for, um, what has been done there. And we've, I think we've embraced a lot of like a lot of new on the external, like, We've gave the stadium a makeover. We've, uh, you know, create like new facilities, um, a whole new coaching staff. But I I feel like there's something internally, you know, going on there. Um, And really, like at a deeper level where you talk about the Notre Dame, like community as a whole. um, I feel like if we can shed off, you know, some of that more of that entitlement uh, mentality, kind of like the, uh, almost like the arrogance of that, you know, cause there's just some straight up arrogant dudes sometimes that like you get from ND <laughs> and I'll just like, I'll be the first to say it cause you know, I've been around it, but, um, there's also just some of the most amazing human beings I've ever met that like embody like the true ethos of what I think Notre Dame like really means and like what it is. And uh, I think like the more, you know, we start to embrace that, like that authentic expression and kind of embracing some of this uh, this new era, if you will. Um, yeah, man, I think Marcus Freeman could be that guy. Uh, I do think that there's a component of embracing some of the aspects of that tradition that are really unique. And if it's done in a way that's intentional and sacred, then I think it's worth it. Like, I think that that first summer and like freshman year, it really is a great exercise to be linked into the student body. Um, and that, that again, is just more of the ethos of Notre Dame that I would say is like the stuff that like keep that, you know, like keep some of that. Uh, but, After, you know, they've done their redshirt freshman year or whatever, like gone through summer and they're linked in with the student body, give them opportunities to be linked in with the student body, but just know that like their life looks different than everybody else. Like it just does.
1: Lev, I've had this conversation with you and, and you've been honest and said, look, it's hard to change and do certain things for the football program. When you're looking at the son of a Silicon Valley company, uh, son of a Fortune 500 company, daughter of an an heiress of this particular trust fund, or like you're surrounded by that in Notre Dame. So within the community, how do you feel like they're going to do anything to make athletes feel special or invest in them feeling special? And that's the difficulty of the tradition at Notre Dame. Like you do have that type of classroom, which is actually cool. I, w- I would have loved to have that type of classroom. I look to my left and the daughter of the president of Boeing is like right there next to me. I get to rub shoulders. I get to chat it up with the, the daughter of this startup company that is now, you know, top 10 in the world. You don't get those experiences, and that's why Notre Dame is special. It's one of one, and that's why we asked the question yesterday. Like, knowing that Notre Dame is one of one, and the growth that college football is making and the evolution that's taking place, if Notre Dame never keeps up, and they end up winning one championship every 10 years, would you be satisfied with that? Because Look, the culture is the culture. You know, should there, could there be some things that they could change that would make things more feasible for Marcus Freeman to do what he wants to do and have his vision come into place? Probably. Will that happen? That's the million-dollar question, right? So
2: I think that, uh, yeah, I think will it happen? A lot of things gotta change that's outside of the goo that 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 don't play or don't take part in football that gotta be on the home team. You know, I think Notre Dame's just a I'm gonna do it my way type of place, which creates a certain arrogance that I think it makes it what it is. I don't I think if Notre Dame didn't have the arrogance it had when it came to where they feel where their position is in college football, then they wouldn't be independent. You know, yeah. of course, we'll be a freaking Big Ten team or ACC competitor. But it's something about that arrogance, which makes Notre Dame a hated or love it type of place, which I think is what uh, it's like, you know, you buy it or you, you take it and leave it. You know, Jesus said you take one side of it, but don't stay on the fence. And I think Notre Dame is a place where you don't stay on the fence for for a good reason at the same time. Well, Marcus Freeman, uh, what you have to do at Notre Dame is what Notre Dame is built off of, and that's a lot of things that you can't exactly quantify. You ask any Notre Dame person, what do you like about Notre Dame so much, and they always tell you the same thing. I just don't know you got to be there. So when it comes to Marcus Freeman structurally and all the things are going to happen and go his way, you just don't know either. You just got to be there. And so for him... Yeah. Can he win it? he's got to pull it out of a magic hat because a lot of that is what makes the, the spectacle and the mystery of Notre Dame so great because I'm sure asking from 88, how do they do it? They ask you, yeah. how are you going to do it now? So I think that's something that maybe Notre Dame likes leaning on. They like to have that, yeah, we're really good and we're leading a lot of ways, but we might surprise you with a championship here or there, but we'll always be in the running. And I think going back to... What Notre Dame's green is really about, and that's that cash. The business model is set up great. If you can make a million from the bookstore every home game, just winning nine or ten games, would you change it, Sean? Would you change the bit? You, because because you know, if you if you try to scale and you can't keep up with the scale, it, you end up turning into the Cleveland brand. You end up turning to the Cleveland Browns. So I think Notre Dame has, has, has really got comfortable with the fact that we can make this money in, with our eyes closed if we just stay and maintain a certain level. Don't give up the things that make us who we are and give us that arrogance that we can win in doubt of, in yeah. spite of. Don't, don't give that up if we give that up we, we lay our cards out and then we, we have to be like everybody else so i think that they're holding on to winning in spite of as a motto yeah and when that happens you would never have the support or full support from the program or the administration as you want it because you you because sometimes you gotta go with the flow and that's not Notre Dame that's not how we operate that's why we and are in the peculiar positions that we end up being in, honestly. And so what Marcus Freeman has to do, has to do, is convince the guys in the building once you get them there, no matter who it is or how you got them, the guys in the building, you have to convince them that they can play beyond the level of their their talent. They have to play on another level of, of, of team spirit they have to play beyond uh, what the cards are laid in front of them. It's all messaging. It's all psychological uh, uh, training. When you go to Notre Dame, that's why you can't. Now, It's not for everybody because it's a psychological piece that's always operating because you're always going against the grain because they believe in doing it their way. That's why the the licensing on the logo has went from 16 to 22%. Because of inflation, apparently.
1: <laughs> Man, it's crazy. And the more I thought about it, left. Look, the economics. You know, because we we know economically and financially that Notre Dame is. They're good stewards. <laughs> good they're good stewards. Which means they're doing pretty well. <laughs> that endowment is doing pretty well. The revenue was doing pretty well. New apparel deal on the way. New More TV money. deal on the way. Financially, Notre Dame is in a really good
2: spot. Beyond it's a really good spot. Now you have to mention though that 80 to 85% of college football programs at major universities yeah. don't make money. A lot of them don't make money. Notre Dame is is well beyond making a minimum wage for their return on investment.
1: So was Camp correct in saying things are different, like the football players are different on campus. They just are, their life is different. Like, I don't care who you're in the classroom with, there's no one in that classroom that has a life like a Notre Dame football player over the next four years.
2: Yeah, yeah. well, it's about time management. And you just don't have a lot of time compared to the average student, even though that they're special in their own right. You got to think these also are kids that, you know, outside of that perimeter of Notre Dame, Indiana, I mean, they're living great regardless. So this is a, a summer camp, boarding school, fantasy bubble where <laughs> oh you on mute you on mute. where where the kids are <laughs> serious but not serious to where they leave that bubble and have to really figure things out in life like you know they they, they they work hard
1: i don't know why you made me think about the movie american pie that one time i was at band camp and, and it was like <laughs> when you said that i was like oh my god it, seriously
2: yeah. So it's a hyper, it's a hyper inflated uh version of what you think of of like you said, like you sit next to people that <laughs> that their kids are the inherent of like air, like this is the king of air, and his <laughs> son is next to you, and then Phil Knight's cousin is the on the other side, and they both cheating off each other's tests. It's like unreal. <laughs> so it's just a different environment when you're a football player, you know, thinking that you have a certain, it's like high school, you know, You, you, you athletes in high school, you know, they kind of got a little more pool. They look to a little differently, but at Notre Dame, you truly around kids that could care less. <laughs> In the in the grand scheme of things, in the grand scheme of things, <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, oh, that's cool. Like I'll go to your games, right? I'll watch you play, but I don't care. <laughs> 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 like, like if the football program just said we're not playing this Saturday, uh, kids would be upset, but they would have other stuff to do. You know, they. It's so if I
1: randomly just walked the campus after a game and asked a group of guys, you know, what the score was.
2: They'd be like, oh, yeah, I I was walking by. I'm on the way to do something amazing. (laughs) (laughs) If I I Range Rover over here, I'm about to go golf or something. You know, but it's going on on campus. It's cool. But, like, for instance, you go to Nebraska where football players are – you walk around, they're like, oh, my God.
1: The entire state is, like, invested in one school. I mean, I I got two fingers up, but one school –
2: it right. for the recruits. I, right. I just saw you on Rivals.com. Right. I know your whole birthday. I know your mom, where she work at, how you grew up. I know your little brother and how he likes, you know, playing the piano. At Notre Dame, it's like you living in the present because right. everybody is so focused on what they got to do, which is fair. But Public school vibes? No, I mean, they're like, oh, my God, you're the, you're the quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. When yeah. quarterback at Notre Dame, you know, you can have a C and they, would, like, they are not looking out for
1: you. <laughs> Yo, I'm glad you mentioned that. Lucky Lefty Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, CFB Nation in conjunction with Irish Breakdown, all of our great content. Leave five stars. Leave your comments. We greatly appreciate it. It's the Lucky Lefty Podcast. We spin so- it differently. You mentioned a quarterback position coming up shortly. We're going to get into it because this dude thinks that quarterback is the most important position in college football. Of course. I disagree. And we're going to talk about it. We're going to get into it right here on the Lucky Lefty podcast. Howard Griffith joins us at the bottom of the show. Left. So we know Notre Dame is good financially. I want to introduce, as I said before, my mentor, friend, Stephen Bardo. Yeah, it's a great podcast for college basketball analysts for the Big Ten Network, Fox Sports, and ESPN. What's wrong with the Big Ten and the NCAA tournament? That was his entire show. That was his entire podcast. And I'm listening, and it came down to one thing, Lef. What do you think it was? Lack you, of do, you think it, do you think it was players? Do you think it was strategy? No. Stephen Bardo brought up this. Just think about it. Maybe it's a Midwest thing. I don't know. Check it out. <laughs> Check
4: it out. What's wrong with the Big Ten? Let me ask you this. Let me, let me bring this to you because many of you may not know this. So the NCAA pays out conference units. What are conference units? Conference units are when a team plays in the NCAA tournament there's a number that goes to each school, their conference for each team that plays a game. You don't even have to win, just have to play the game. So each unit is worth $337,000. Payouts are based on a six year rolling period and the payouts rise 3%. So my theory with the big 10, they have all these teams in, but they don't advance, but they've almost set up like an endowment situation. Because if you're getting seven to nine schools in a year and you're getting payouts per school per year over a six-year rolling period, you would – I don't know. I, I would think you would want to go deeper in the tournament. So here's, here's the SEC so far. I calculated out of Missouri, Alabama, Tennessee, Kentucky, Arkansas, Auburn, and T- Texas A&M. So the SEC got two, four, six, seven teams in, right? And out of of the games that they're playing, because I added up the the Sweet 16 games that Alabama, Tennessee, and Arkansas are going to play in, they've got 16 units so far. That's $5,392,000. And that's still counting. So when you look at the payout so far for the SEC, it's five million three hundred ninety-two thousand dollars. Now, if you get eight or nine teams in every year, like you do the Big Ten, and you have, I don't know, ten to twelve units, you're looking at somewhere in the range. If we said, if we say three hundred thirty-seven thousand per payout, and you get ten units a year, you're looking at a three to four million dollar endowment, whether you went deep in the tournament or not paid out over a six-year rolling period. So if you take the last 10 seasons of Big Ten and that number continues to rise every year, that payout number, so maybe 10 years ago, it might've been at 200,000. But you guys are starting to get my, my point, right? So economically, the Big Ten is fine. Nationally, from a competitive perspective, they're getting crushed. And I mean, Jim Boeheim, what he said about Big Ten last year in the tournament, he's right. Big Ten in the tournament this year, he's right. I hate to admit it, but he's right. But I I kept scratching my head like like the SEC went out and, and wanted to make sure that their basketball conference was competitive, so they went out and made sure that when they made hires, they made really good basketball hires. And so now you're looking at the SEC as one of the most successful conferences in the country, basketball wise, and that wasn't the case 15, 20 years ago. So they're not only have gotten more competitive, but now they're growing their NCAA tournament endowment is for lack of a better word is what I'll call it. So is the Big Ten more concerned with making sure that endowment's in place? or are they really trying to win a national championship? Because to me, if you're really trying to win a national championship as a program and as a conference, then the coaches that you bring in from here on out need to have a style that's conducive to March, not for Big 10 basketball.
1: Let me tell you something, man. Let me tell you something. We're going to bring this to Notre Dame. There's a reason why I played it. We're going to bring this to Notre Dame because winning ways at Notre Dame, right? Question of the day. We know what Marcus Freeman wants to do, the style of football he wants to play. Is that style of play conducive to winning national titles? Let us know. Is that style of play conducive to Notre Dame winning national titles? That's the lucky lefty question of the day. That's very important. Maybe it's a Midwest thing, left. See, maybe the South loves to spend money. We know they love to spend money out in the left coast where you're at. We know they love to spend money on the East Coast. Maybe in the Midwest schools, you know, Stephen Bardo, member of the 1989 Flying Illini. He's a Big Ten baby. He he had to admit it. Once again, the host of Bardo's Breakdown, best college basketball podcast around. Let me tell you something. He's pointed out from a basketball standpoint, but it remains. The Big Ten, check this out. There's only one school in the Big Ten. Mm. One coach nationally that you can say is a great coach and has the resume. That's Tom Izzo at Michigan State.
2: Yeah. Championships, multiple Big Ten championships, multiple Final Fours. Ohio State was done when they lost Thad Mata. <laughs> right? You had a nice run with Michigan. Oh, Hold
1: on. Before oh, Juwan Howard got there.
2: Howard, Howard. Yes, right?
1: Howard. He's nice. Juwan Howard has done a good job. He hasn't gotten to a Final Four yet, though. His predecessor okay. got okay. to he's multiple. Early. Okay, he early. he's early. His predecessor early. got to multiple. Right?
2: Wisconsin's coach.
1: But my point is, Michigan State, for basketball, is the standard in the Big Ten. From a resume standpoint, Man, Illinois ain't doing nothing in the tournament. <laughs> Ohio State ain't doing nothing in the tournament.
2: Ohio State didn't make the tournament.
1: Michigan did it not as long as as Izzo has done it, but Michigan did it for a while. Indiana ain't doing nothing in the tournament. Purdue's not doing anything in the tournament. Even though they were number one throughout the season, though. Got spanked. Got spanked. fairly Dickinson, bro. What are we talking about? So what he says is apropos. What is he saying? In order to make money, you got to spend money. The SEC, that had a subpar basketball conference, chose to invest. What investment did they make? The first big investment is coaching. Like this. You have to invest in coaching. In football, you have to invest in coaching. And if you have a problem or you pause at investing money in big-time coaching, whether it's basketball, football, you don't want to win championships. You just don't. You don't. You don't want to win championships. You don't. Tom Izzo holds on to his assistants. And they're paid very well. Now, does he win every year? No. Does he struggle? Yeah. I have more confidence in Michigan State in the tournament every year. Tom Izzo beat Zion Williamson and that yeah. whole crew. Yeah. With I tell me how many? I think they have one playoff. That team in the NBA right now, one out of starting five. One. Don't tell me coaching doesn't matter.
2: Coaching matters, especially a lot. in big games in the tournament especially in big games. It may not matter when you're playing these scrub-a-dub teams. That's what recruiting matters. Recruiting, I would say recruiting and coaching, what percent holds? But that goes hand-in-hand. It it goes hand-in-hand, but I would say coaching is is at least 45%. That goes hand-in-hand. And the recruiting
1: goes to what he said at the end. Are you hiring coaches to win the Big Ten? Are you hiring coaches to win a national championship? Because if you just want a coach coach that can win the Big Ten, that's easy. Everybody can play the same way, go get some plodding big men and run up and down the court with no athleticism. You can win the Big Ten. Purdue did it. They had Zach Eadie, and they just dominated the Big Ten. And then when the guards had to play some real guards, those freshman guards had to play real guards, what happened?
2: They got exposed, but football in the Big Ten does it. The but football they only have oh, it's the same left. Beat Ohio State or to beat Michigan. That's the that's, whole Big Ten's goal. No, no, no. Ohio State is the only program right. that can compete with Georgia and Alabama right, in the right, Big right. Ten. It's I'm only one conference. Yeah, Big Ten's like we're just trying to beat Ohio State every year. We beat Ohio State. That's our Super Bowl. That's it. And then the Big Ten championships, like a that's consolation prize. That's it. Brett you Bielema is Purdue win last year.
1: Brett Bellemere isn't thinking about winning national championship. No, Kirk Ferris isn't thinking about winning national championship.
2: If Illinois beat Michigan last
1: year, they would have felt good about the. Oh, game. dude, Brett Bielema would have got a new contract already. <laughs> yeah, for real, for real. If he had beaten Michigan, I promise you, new yep. contract, extension, big money. And I have to ask myself: Is it just a Midwest thing?
2: Well, now that it's expanding, SC going to try to win a championship. So they may be trying to compete with Ohio State, and they may get bigger linemen because of that. So as long as Lincoln Riley can pull these quarterbacks, they're going to be in contention with Ohio State.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. So that brings me – we're talking about Notre Dame, winning ways, style of play, you know, what they want to do and how they want to win. And it just begs the question, can they win – with Marcus Freeman's identity.
2: I kind of told him this today in the team meeting, is that I have a vision and identity I want for our team, and that's to be a team that can run the ball and stop the run, right? I want to, I believe in our O-line and our D-line being the foundation of our team. And so um, I'm excited to see if that can become our identity. That's my vision. Um, I also want to see a team that's aggressive. You know, that's one of our mantras, challenge everything. What does that mean? It means be aggressive. Do not play timid. Do not play scared. Think outside the box offensively and defensively, schematically. Be, be be okay with taking chances. Well, we are afraid of taking chances. That's just not how we're built. You know, we wouldn't have such a huge endowment if we were taking chances because we're not – Spending money that we don't have to, you know, we weren't trying to negotiate a one point two million buyout or something really ridiculous. What it was it was it was real on brand with what we do as a program. So taking a chance, no. However, Marcus Freeman can inspire his team to take a chance to play beyond their means, to play together, and realize that. I would be honest. I'm like, listen, guys. Our brand is against the grain. So if y'all don't band together and pour new inspiration beyond (laughs) just winning games, like 2015, I think, I really believe in 2015, we came out of camp saying, we don't care who's out there. We're winning it all. We didn't need anybody else, which was important because, I mean, we inspired each other. We played great. We had a bunch of first round uh, all-conference award winners, preseason, all type of stuff going on. But that's because we were so tight-knit as a group that we played better and was more intimidating than the teams that we played. And we was ready for the challenge. I think that's where it comes from. You're not going to get saved by a bus full of five stars at Notre Dame. It's just not gonna happen. It's just not pulling it in like that. We'll get a couple off the off the apple truck. We we'll get a couple of apples off the apple truck heading down to Georgia. <laughs> we 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 get a couple of peaches off the peach tree. They forgot about. You know, we may steal one big one, but that you know. <laughs>